Hello and welcome to the ninth episode of the Bees Analytica podcast. On today's episode we'll discuss the events that happened at Millwall, post-Brexit plans and what football is like attending as a fan. Hiya boys, how are we doing today? Yeah, good, good day. Thank you. No. Oh, after a <laughs> yeah. oh, it's good, good to be back for another week and I think we'll have to open the conversation up really with the events that happened at Millwall and not just at Millwall by the way, there was others with West Ham and Colchester reporting booing as well. Yeah, I think we're all in agreement. It's just completely idiotic from all those that were booing. I think the big thing is that I don't think people quite understand the distinction between the two. Black Lives Matter is a non is a peaceful protest at racial inequality. BLM is a political party that is registered in the United Kingdom. I think the big distinction is if you have Conservatives with a capital C and stuck with Conservative values, but then Conservatives with a capital C turned around and started persecuting a certain religion, would we label all Conservatives the same? Would, would you do it? You wouldn't, because people you would see the distinction. So why do we just group Black Lives Matter and all and a, what is a peaceful protest together, all into one clump? And it's a political party. It's a Marxist movement. That that's the big thing. I, I just don't get that. With why fans can't understand the difference between the two organisations. If you're against racial inequality, then you're an idiot and a complete tool. But it, you can be against down, a political party. Yeah, I think it's lack of awareness and lack of understanding between the, the mm. difference between the two. And ultimately, you know, there are going to be horrible people out there and there are going to be racists out there. But at least you can do is just be quiet about it. You don't have to go and boo and be disrespectful for everybody else. If you're a prat, at least kind of be a prat that doesn't draw attention to yourself. Yeah, I think that's the major thing with Mill. I mean, I listened to it and... You can tell it's a, it's not a majority. It is a minority that are ruining it and have ruined the the club's name and dragged it through the dirt. Mm-hmm. And you got to think yeah. as well, especially a lot of the work Millwall have done in the community to change their quote unquote bad boy image from the eighties and nineties, especially. They've done a lot of work to try and get themselves up to standard and improve what their reputation is. I think they won Family Club of the Year. For the last they two, did. three years, mm. and it's yeah, just they their commitment to the community as well. They used to do some brilliant work with the community trust, but this just tarnishes it again. And it's another instance where you look at it and think, "What the fuck, really?" Because they got the same fans, haven't they? As much as the club do all they can, they still got the same people going to games that have been going the last fifty years. And if they're prats, then they're still going to be there, unfortunately. That's the thing. I just right. You're in a crowd of two thousand people. Everyone's socially distanced. It's never been easier to spot you in a crowd. Yeah. Do they not expect the club to now turn around and ban them because they can see who you are when you're sat two seats either side of you, no one's near you? Do you know what they can tell? I just don't get the logic of what you're booing. Especially those that if you bought a ticket, chances are you've been going long enough and you've got a member card mm-hmm. or however Millwall have done it. Surely it's easy enough to find out who was sat where and who said it. Yeah. And who's doing it. You would that. hope so. I mean, yeah. with the amount of cameras and stuff around, you'd like to think so. But Yeah, 100% really agree. would. I think it's one thing we might have different opinions on, but 
somewhat agree on. So I think, do think the conversation needs to move forward now. But I don't think it has to come from us. Us three, we're three white men that have never experienced racial inequality in our lives. We've never been profiled because of the colour of our skin. We've never been looked at or judged walking into a job interview because of the colour of our skin. But I do feel leaders in the black community in football, your Alex Scotts, your Les Ferdinands, your Ian Wrights, your Chris Powells, need to move the conversation forward now. It's all well and good having the nil, and it's all well and good highlighting that issue because it obviously shows there's work needed doing with the booing. But we now need to move that conversation forward. How can we get more black coaches through the system? I think there's some ridiculous stat. There's only six non-white head coaches currently in the 92. There's only ever been nine black managers since the Premier League started in 1992. That's abysmal numbers. But we now need to create that action plan. How can we move the game forward? How can we now enact change? But I don't think we have that. That's not for us. I don't know how you would do it. And I I I, I don't envy the person that's got to come up with this plan because it's you're changing, mm. you know, 50, 60, 70 years of, of football, but it's got to be made, you know, change, change for the better. It's about mm-hmm. time. It's all well and good needing, but other than highlighting the issue, it's not particularly doing anything, which I think is where some of people's frustration has come from, is that it just now seems to just be coming just a habit and a tradition of, oh, yeah, well, we go and they kneel, but what's it achieving? Yeah. I think we now need to go and something needs to be done to, to make lasting change. Exactly. I mean, but I get it just can't come from us. We've already seen someone like Greg Clark who made horrendous comments in the middle of the House of Parliament. You know, he's now gone. Can we get someone like Les Ferdinand stepping in? And who understands the, the issues? We don't. We will never. It just It's the way it is. We have never experienced it because we were built into this system and born into it. And we continue to reap the benefits of the system that our grandparents and before us built. But we now need someone that understands who's gone through it and they can then do the changes. And whatever that may be, I think that's the FA, how they need to step forward now. It's brilliant that we've had the gesture and it's highlighted and it's proven with the booing that it's needed, that change is needed. But well, that's the next step. And I think we're all in agreement with that. We could, we could yeah. go on and on about this sort of topic. There's a lot of stuff that this comes from, but there's... Again, very political, and there's no need to go into it in a football podcast. And with the racial tensions currently across the world, really, we could cover it in massive length. But we'll stick to the football side and what's going on in the EFL at the moment. Yeah, I think it was good, though, just quickly harking back. I think it was good that um, Millwall had their game on Tuesday and that it wasn't met. They obviously did something different. They didn't kneel. They did a linked shoulder, um, arm to arm and had a banner. But, you know, mm. it's... At least they didn't show themselves up again, and that hopefully it's you know not a turning point, but it can it shows that they're not all assholes, and that there there is some light in the in the world at the minute. Yeah, again, I don't think we should be applauding someone that they haven't booed something that's quite clearly at something for, that's got a complete different meaning that's literally aimed at racial inequality. I don't think that should be applauded. It's a common decency. And that's just the worst part about it is I just don't understand the logic of why you would do it. I, you, I, I liked your point earlier you made about that they maybe don't understand the distinction between the two or just of a certain generation or 
haven't understood the issue properly. But anyone b below the age of 30, probably even 35, will know. Are up to date and with the modern times and will understand and have the capacity to know there is the difference between a political party and a movement. That's the biggest thing and concern for me then. I hope Mill will root out these individuals or the group or whoever was booing. And even if it was all 2,000 people in attendance at the game, that they they are bound and stopped from going to football. Well, if they can't do it now, they're never going to do it. It's literally, they've made it as easy as it's probably going to be to be able to root them out. So mm -hmm. now, now is the opportunity. Otherwise, it's probably never going to happen because they're not mm -hmm. going to be able to do it when another 20,000 go in. Yeah, no, 100%. Again, I do, yeah, I do, I do feel very sorry for Millwall as a club. They've done a lot of brilliant work and in an attempt to clean themselves up, as you would say. But there is stuff that needs to be addressed, hopefully, at the club and across it. Again, we bring it back. It wasn't just Millwall, was it? There were pockets of instances across different clubs in the UK. Colchester and West Ham are the other big two that I saw. And hopefully they can identify these fans and educate them. I mean, Brentford did it a while ago with, I think, someone posted a lot of racist stuff on Twitter, aiming abuse at players. And the club, instead of, they banned him for, I think it was five years. But in that time, he got to sit down with someone like Marcus Gale, who was a Brentford legend, and sat down and educate him on issues of being a black man in football. And speak to him and understand his viewpoint and rehabilitate him as such it's not really rehabilitation but you know what i mean and mm. try and teach him i think that's that's the way forward i know you can't obviously do it with two three hundred people and people are resistant to change but i totally agree with james i think it's more ignorance than anything and just yeah. not understanding yeah education so, is the way to go forward and i think the younger you are the more open to change you are if there's someone 70 it's not right but i don't think you're going to change them at this point because they've been that way their whole life and they've grown up into a society and that which that is probably acceptable. But for anyone sort of our age and probably another 10 years on top, it's just, you can't do that anymore. Because it's you our age that are going to make the difference. It's, it's our age group. And that's what I think is great. Like Marcus Rashford is obviously doing these free school meals. Now that's nothing, that's nothing to do with Black Lives Matter, but it's showing that anyone can make a change. And he's being an example to all of the younger 10-year-olds, 11-year-olds, 8-year-olds, that, you know, you can do, you can make change. And I think it is up to our generation to facilitate that. Yeah. As you say, with it's a lot of ignorance from people, and people are setting their ways. But, you know, the way it's going at the moment with the movement, with the kneeling... As you said, I think football needs to do what cricket has done, where they openly talk about it, they openly talk about the struggles, they openly talk about their experiences and set out guidelines to improve and include everyone. 100% agree. On the topic of including and not removing people, we now come on to the beautiful topic of Brexit and the effects that will now have on the English game, especially with, or the British game, sorry, with terms to transfers. I like leave it to you, Alf, to open up. What's your initial thoughts on reading the report? What do we think? 
Yeah, I mean, I like I like what the FA have done. I like it. I think it will introduce more homegrown talent. I think we obviously won't see it. And don't get me wrong, this is a great generation of English talent coming through. But in the future, there'll be more of it. And it'll be of an even better quality across the board with the new regulations about foreign youngsters and everything. And I, I think it'll benefit. I think it'll benefit the Premier League. Mm-hmm. You 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 won't see it, or not just the Premier League, but the whole EFL Scottish League. You obviously won't see it straight away. It will take a a long, not a long time, but five, ten years for for us to reap the benefits of it. But yeah, I think it'll only be a positive. It'll be really interesting to see what this does to the transfer window. Considering English players' prices are already inflated, if if a lot of the lower league teams are only gonna, you know, gonna have to be able to scout out cheap English players that would automatically qualify for the for the points thing, it could really inflate the prices of English players. I mean, they've been trying to push English players anyway, and I think this will just just help it. But obviously, needing fifteen points and obviously internationally capped players automatically qualify anyway. I think towards the top end of the game, I don't think we'll see a great deal of difference, really. No, I, I, I think, think it'll encourage English youth. I think I think that's the the main thing. I, the biggest as issue you say, that I think... is EPPP, the Elite Player Performance Programme. You just hamper the those at the bottom end. It's all well and good feeding them through to the top end of the table, but what about those at the bottom? They can't sign players from abroad to replace their young players that have been poached. They can only scout within a certain radius of youth players. So there's a vacuum then. At the League 1 2 level, you then struggle. You run out of players. So they have to keep then going down the leagues that necessarily not might, not might be as good as from the National League or the National League South, which then means the League 1 and 2 quality becomes worse. But don't worry, our top end of the game is good. You know, yeah. it, cre- it creates that issue in the unfairness because EPPP. Rex, but I think that's that's, the, that's an issue that will need to be sorted out. But I think on the whole, it will improve English talent. It will increase numbers of English players playing in the top leagues. And you know, we might see something like what's happened in Spain, where they some of their best players do go to other countries to play. Like with Sancho, we're seeing at the moment at Dortmund. We may see. English players like Beckham, like Owen, like Woodgate at the top clubs in Spain, like at Real Madrid. Hmm. But the whole EPPP, I do agree, it needs to be fixed. And as you say, it needs to... (sighs) There is a worry that if they change it too much, like James said, the prices of players will just go through the roof and there'll be no no transfer market really but done in the right way if you're Chelsea right and you've got 10 million quid why not under elite player performance program just hoover up all that talent 50 is 50 to 100 grand you pay in compensation to a lower league team you hoover them up they're 16 17 you put them in your youth system they're all English well done they're at the top academy they can then get spat out at the age of 20 21 have you seen also in the rules though is that from um you can only sign six, um, six under twenty ones per season from next season. Is that? I thought it was for international players, not in house. 
I thought it was three international players. It, it, it's three from um, three hundred twenty ones for for January, and then six. Six. As it, uh, if, if that is, uh, it, if that does include EPPP, then that could certainly help them if they're not allowed to bring in as many youngsters through the academy from other academies and put them into their academies. That could help Jake's issue. Yeah, no, it's mm. not. It's the issue I have. It's not an issue. It's just a worry that mm. these lower league clubs, that someone like Crew, who developed Nick Powell, who obviously then they sold for two, three million pounds with a massive sell-on to Manchester United. You got Crew again. You know, I speak about. I love their academy system. I think they're brilliant. Who have got four or five like Perry Ng. Um, He's a great player. Yeah, they've got all these play- young, youthful players, but then they just go for pennies. And you then just hamper the academy sides, uh, or yes. these lower league academy sides that can't compete anymore. I think Brentford, Wickham, and it ties into it. Birmingham now are shutting their academy down, and I'm like, what's the point? We're the third biggest cl- or fourth biggest club in the Midlands, behind Villa, West Brom, probably Wolves as well. We can't afford to keep just running at a loss, and with all the Brexit restrictions now, and then the elite player performance program on them. They're just going to struggle. They have Jude Bellingham came through, and that's and probably Damari Gray and Redmond in the last ten years that I can name off the top of my head. But that's a lot of money in those three players. I, I know you're going to say it's not in the grand scheme of it, is it though? It, that's a lot of money between the three of them. I know roughly from the finances, Brentford Academy but... was running at two and a half million losses a year. Times that by 10, that's 25 million to keep an academy to be the fourth biggest in West London, if that. And I, and we had no player come through the academy. Like, I can't remember. As you, as you, as you say, it, it's, it's an issue that does need to be looked at, the EPP. From, a, from your perspective, though, it's interesting. How is this going to change? How is this going to impact Brentford with, with your you yeah, know, scouting? I'm on the fence with this one. I, I think I kind of agree with Alfie. I see the merits of it. And some of the clubs that are now appear in the band two of the system where they don't have to be as highly something like the Turkish first division, uh, the Eredivisie, the Belgium, and youth tournaments that include South America. I think there are opportunities there for new markets. But... Yes. In its current form, if we were to go back five years and implement these rules, there's some big, big names that Brentford would miss out on. Your Malpais, your Ben Ramas, your Wimboimos, who wouldn't qualify under this permit. Your Danish players like Mad Bistrup that's come through. Jensen that was, okay, he was playing, but he was Danish and came through the system. Norgard. And we then, that's limited our player pool. And I think... And and it's not just those players. It's we arguably one of the best central midfielders in the world in N'Golo Kante wouldn't have been able to come over to this this country or Riyad Mahrez. You know it. I'm just talking from a Brentford view, and I'm biased obviously because we have a a unique recruitment model to most clubs. It'll but. be exciting to see what what Brentford do. As you say, there are a lot of new opportunities, new places to look at now. Mm-hmm. But you know, the the grounds where you've been successful, the 
French second division and Norway and all of that. They yeah. have kind of been shut off. Yeah, that's my biggest concern is that it, there's yes, there's a few opportunities now. But I look at something like Bantu, they've classified the championship and the Belgian first division and the Eredivisie as the same quality. That's just not true. There is leaps and bounds between the top Dutch division compared to the championship. And the Portuguese league, like your next Ronaldo potentially, might not qualify. But I think the argument may be, though, because of the high level of youth appearances and that cover under band one, if they're good enough to be playing in them, then they'll be good enough to move across. If it, So it doesn't really matter on the league. If a player's playing in League 2, or League 2, sorry, in France, but they're playing at the FIFA Under-17s World Cup, they've played in the European Championships in the last four years, then they should be good enough to move across, I think. But, but talent develops at different rates. Mm-hmm. Look at Jesse Lingard. Was nowhere near the Manchester United team at 20. Or 18 even. Alex Ferguson kept pursuing with him. Yes, okay, he's fallen down maybe due to personal reasons. But, you know, he was arguably English, English, England's best cam at that World Cup. You know, he earned himself a place in that side. Mm. And if he was a foreign player, we would have missed out. Or we. Cubs would have missed out on him because he wouldn't have been in any of the youth teams. He wouldn't have been at these tournaments. He wouldn't have. Yeah, he didn't play that much. He... Yeah. yeah. That is my worry, is that, as you say, it's not just Brentford that will be hit by this. Brighton have been a brilliant club recently in importing youth players from all across Europe and now going to massively see their player pool reduced. It mean that they can't sign some of these quote-unquote well, they... undervalued players or leagues. Well, they, they have been benefited by getting a lot of them out at the moment. But yeah, I do see your point. Just like if Brentford look at that whole table of justice, that pool on that, t- I've explained it before, but I'll explain it briefly for those that don't know what it is. Basically, it's rating or ranking every team by a few indicators. I don't know, I'm not in the know. And then ranking them and those that come out with the biggest underperformance rating. And then looking at their players or why are they underperforming and then scouting them and picking them up players from there. So, like, that's the whole table of justice but now if that pool becomes even smaller because we have oh, to yeah. make sure that if like domestically if a player's playing in band five which the second division of french football is if they've played between 90 percent and 100 percent of their minutes they only get four points towards the 15 which is ridiculous like no player from that division is really going to qualify unless they're playing in all these youth tournaments so you kind of just shot yourself in the foot now because there's some quality leagues that aren't just going to get looked at. Like, and and that, that'll be to the to the um, benefit of a lot of other national teams, especially in the EU, that don't have these rules and that can pick these up at the expense of the, of the English clubs. Yeah, I, I think Alfie highlights it brilliantly with Kante. He is one of the best midfielders in the Premier League and he wouldn't have been signed into these rules because he wasn't playing youth appearances. He was playing in the second division of French football and he just now wouldn't qualify with the 15-point system. But the big thing is, though, this is very, very exciting. I'm really excited about Africa now becomes accessible. Youth Africa players that can now be signed 
really excited about South America and possibilities of trading between championships and South America. Imagine that, right? The next like name, instead of going on to Barcelona first, comes through Brentford or Reading or Birmingham. How cool would that be? That would be something completely different and it would change the dynamic of the league. And I think that's a really interesting addition that they've added. But they've killed well, Europe. <laughs> when one door closes, another one opens, I guess. And we've just got to start looking at other other markets that, that Europe, as we've kind of shut ourselves out of the, of the Europe one. Hmm. Be sure. I wonder if many clubs will follow like the Leipzig or City model where they've bought clubs. So Brentford obviously has their sister club, Mityland, which is now useless to them really in terms of Danish scouting because that market's kind of been shut off unless they're an exceptional talent, which by that point you don't think they'll come to Brentford. Yeah. I wonder then if we'll see like the City Football Group, we'll see like the Liverpool Football Group or Championship Clubs trying to buy other teams in other divisions to circumstance either around the work permit rules or improve their network. Well, Reading have got a link with a Belgian club, so that could... Um, with is that through Belgian. owner or is that through... Through the owner. The owner owns them. And Beijing, Rena and China. Because we're not mentioned at the Asian market as well. That, that ties in with the South American, Africa. That might be another possibility we, now we that we see an influx of Asian players come across. Yeah, we sent a Luca out to China last year to uh, help against FFP. Which is interesting. <laughs> but you've, yeah, the Chinese Super League has all sorts of rules to try and improve the development of Chinese players. I think you have to have a Chinese goalkeeper. I think you're only allowed three non-Chinese players in your play. Or is it five? I think it's only five Chinese. Five. It's five in the squad, three on the pitch. So, so I think maybe China becomes another hot pocket for countries and teams that are looking. And especially if you're a Reading owner, you'll think, oh, we've got a link there. We can scout. We've got the network. We get recommendations in. So we might see a few Chinese players now step across into, or like just Asia as a whole. Oh, yeah. As you said, it opens up a lot of markets. The only market it really closes is the European one. Which is ridiculous, considering we're next door to them. We'd rather fly it 10,000, fly players 10,000 miles in. Like, yeah, there is exceptional circumstances, and they've said there's the panel that may decide if a player is just shy. If I think it's something yeah, here, yeah, if they're between 10 to 14 points, that they can submit it to a panel where they can discuss if they'll be exceptional enough to come through, which seems really stupid. But then, who's going to be on the panel? Who, how, who are these people to judge whether they're going to be good enough to bring in? Yeah, yeah, it's I think they named it the exceptions panel. Or something, I, I, yeah. It's 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 interesting. It's, interesting. it's definitely that. It's definitely that. Big question I do have though is how are they rating these leagues? What have they based their maths on? Because I have my own view of how I rate leagues, and I've said I think the Eredivisie is bigger than the Championship. I wonder I how they've done it. <laughs> you can disagree with me, but it's, <laughs> the both... Championship is much better quality than the Eredivisie. <laughs> Okay, we'll agree to disagree on that one. But anyway, that's, that's the point. How have they sat down and gone, like, here's a list of leagues we rate as equal? What have they used? What method? No, but the point, yeah, exactly. The point is, Eredivisie, I would say, is on a similar level to the championship. You just have two exceptional clubs in PSV and Ajax. Other than that, I, I fancy a championship side to go over and do, do something. 
I love how the Scottish Premiership did tier one. That's just just so funny. Yeah. yeah. See, I, again, that's a similar situation. Portugal, I know they've rated them similar as well. Yeah, they're banned too. Really, really, you've only got three big teams. Other than that, you you know, you'd fancy a championship side against them. I, yeah, it'd be interesting to see how they have rated them. Because I know my methodology tends to be through ELO, which came over from Chess, which basically assigns each team a rating. Have they done the average of ELO, maybe? Have they used... Because I know that's what they use for the national rankings now, is ELO rating. I just love how uh, signing a player from CSK Moscow or from uh, FC Rostov is now the same level as signing one from Celtic or Rangers. That's just... uh, Those two teams (laughs) thinking that they're... uh, Gonna come down and waltz the English leagues. Yeah, the same player from FC Rostov would uh, the same have the same chance of making the Premier League. It's very strange. Like someone from Toulouse, who are a League Two team in France, you can't sign players from them particularly easily. It's not you saying you can't. It's just not particularly mm. easy to do so. But you can sign a player from who's in Band Three that we've looked at. Brazil, the, Russia, the, the Brazilian First Division. But you can't sign a French player. It just doesn't make sense in my head. I, d- I don't get why that's a logical step. Of right, you well, can buy him from Brazil, but not France. <laughs> well, it's meant to be a kick in the teeth in it to the European Union. I think that's all it is. It's, it's politics. <laughs> well, this it's was submitted by the FA. This was the FA. Yeah, I know. But this. It's, it's, it, but I'm sorry if you don't believe that politics doesn't come into this, then you're naive. Politics, Some, something, yeah. Oh, see, one we've not even touched on. The MLS is in band four as well. That's rated the same as the French second division. <laughs> like, that's the big question. How the hell have they rated these teams? And, and and is there room for movement? Because who knows, if, if the Czech Republic put a lot of money into improving their football division, can they then go ahead of Russia if their league starts to stagnate? Mm-hmm. Because it doesn't mention it in here. We might just be missing it when reading it, to be honest, boys. And we've well, it was just... 37 pages long, so it was a, a bit of a read. And there's lots of uh, extra added-on bits and PSs and whatever else. But I would be intrigued to see if, if this is it or or if, you know... If yeah, this might... has been approved by the Home Office. This is pretty much what it's going to be from January yeah, the 1st. Whether they will review it every few years to, to change the bands around or whether the MLS is irrevocable one of the lowest ones to bring people in. Because I know they're putting a lot of money and a lot of resources into improving that league. And if a lot of mm-hmm. talent comes up, because America's well, a big country, I guarantee there'll be a Think fair... of the city group, the, what is it, New York FC. Oh, they've got 10. Where the got 10 Steph, where the Stefans come from that made his debut in the Champions League, or Jack Harrison that they sold to Leeds have come from. When you've got Pulisic, obviously he's American. Yeah. He came yeah. from Germany, though. So Germany, we'll just have to make them go through Europe first before they come to us. I mean, yeah. Alfonso Davies was from Canada. Look how well he's done. Mm-hmm. Well, he yeah, so... plays in the MLS, but plays in the MLS, but Canada, Canadian. <laughs> Canadian. <plays>. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it's I was really thinking more Almiron. Uh, was another one on that list. Like Almiron. he couldn't yeah. couldn't just sign. But then would he qualify that... under international appearances? Derby wouldn't have been able to sign Rooney. No, because he's British. It doesn't matter. If they've got a British passport, they'll be fine. Yeah, but if he's American. Someone like Jack Harrison was British before he came over, because I think he had British parents. Mm. So, well, he's got an English accent. I think he lived in England and then moved across to America when he was young. Which is fair. I, I respect that. 
<laughs> I would actually soak up American sun. Really, really interesting to see how it works. If okay, so, so yeah, so where are Almiron? So he's Paraguayan, isn't he? Mm. Uh, let me have a look. So would he have qualified into the system? Uh, I, reckon he, I reckon he made a cat before he joined. At least so the, their FIFA ranking is 48th. Oh, that's the women's game. Wrong one. They're 34th in the men's ranking. So, I? so between 31 and 50, if he'd played, is that in a year? So they're saying if he'd played 90 to 100% of his team's games, but it doesn't specify the time frame, then he would be an auto pass. If he'd played 80 to 89, he'd be an auto pass. 70 to 79, an auto pass. But then 60 to 69 would have been 10. Well, it, it sounds like he got in anyway. It doesn't specify the minutes. It says all players shall be granted the number of points set out in table one in the respect of the player's international appearances. Is it 100% of appearances of all time? No, because <laughs> that'd be stupid. Because then you'd just get... Oh, no, because then they wouldn't qualify. <laughs> He played uh, every minute of, <laughs> of Paraguayan football. <laughs> so would he qualify? I, I think he would. <laughs> yeah. If you're an international, if you've made an international appearance, you're trying to qualify. No, you so don't. I'm... Only up until a certain point. Oh, is that what it is? Up until 50? Yeah, so if it's up until, yeah, 51 and below. You, if you even, so This is just such a steep drop-off. I mean, that's a big old gap. <laughs> 1 to 50. There's a lot of nations when, when you can automatically yeah. qualify. Yeah. 1 to 10, you automatically qualify even if, if you've played 39% or more. or Sorry, 30% or more. If you're between 11 to 20 and you've played more than 40%, you automatically qualify. If you've played 21 or more, twenty if you're ranked between 21 and 30 and you've played more than 60% of games, you automatically qualify. If, you, if you're between 31 and 50 if in the world, and you've played more than 70% of the games, then you automatically qualify. We wouldn't have signed Felipe Araruna, Alfie. That's for sure. No. no okay. well, although, would we? Because he came from... He came from Sao Paulo. First of... He didn't yeah, make but... a... No, but he came from the first division of he Portuguese, came from the first Brazilian division. football. So That's I think right. he'd probably have enough points. See? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> he, never oh. played for, um, for, he never played for Brazil. Which would no, have given... no, he definitely didn't. In. So maybe it seems yeah. right. they're trying to push forward with a lot more emphasis on the youth. Because there's a lot of youth competitions, as I said well, earlier. Brexit, Brexit, aren't we? So we're obviously trying the main emphasis is to improve the English players coming through and give them more opportunities. Mm. And then we're trying to obviously make it as easy as possible to still bring in the highest quality so Chelsea and United can still go out and buy the best players in the world. But then mm. there's a bit of a gap between the rest. Yeah, the championship is going to be absolutely fascinating come the end of it, isn't it? Like, oh, I, mean, yeah. I hope Brentford, I've had no, I trust Matthew Benham to the hill comes home. I guarantee he's already, they've already got plans in place of who we can sign, targets that wouldn't meet the criteria, and all of that jazz. But I think clubs are going to have to get clever. Otherwise, we're going to see some fall behind. There'll, there'll always be loopholes that someone will be willing to exploit. Oh, so yeah. Sure before there'll be someone bringing in a player that shouldn't have qualified but will <laughs> it'd be like that uh, Traore where he came from before he was 18 Chelsea yeah. brought him in for every rule there's about 100 ways of breaking it so it'd be interesting to see uh, see what happens 
in the in the near future regarding that. Yeah, it's, no, it's interesting. It's the first time in our lifetime, really, that we've seen a proper big change up in football in this mm-hmm. regard. So it'll be interesting to see kind of how football changes after this moment. I don't. It obviously won't be straight away, but in the next sort of three or four years, yeah. See what the state of football is like at, at that point. I think the best thing to summarise it is there are some really good things that could come of this and there's some awful things that just don't look good on paper. But, as everything, time will tell with how this plays out. Yep, we're just going to have to suck it and see. I think, to close up, boys, I think we'll have a discussion because I know you've both been back at football as a fan. I've been working during the pandemic, so I've been experiencing it in the empty stadium. I want James. Can you open up? And how did you find your experience at Reading Birmingham yesterday? And what's it like, atmosphere-wise? You know. Yeah, well, it obviously depends on on the match. The matches are being. <laughs> I happened to go to a tr- dreadful performance from Reading and a lot and a loss, so it was never gonna never gonna be great. But from what I hear, the win on Saturday was electric, considering it's two thousand. Mm-hmm. Um, but it didn't seem seemed all right, but. It's the, the main reason why I go to football is to have a laugh with my mates and having to sit on my own because none of my mates had enough points to, to go with me and to um, have to be told to sit down and to clap and cheer when something worthy happens. Um, yeah, it was it was good. It was nice to be back. I, I miss being at the Medeski, but it, um, it certainly wasn't the same. And I don't think I'm going to, love going as much until it goes back to goes back to normal personally i think you hit the nail on the head it's just such a big social thing and without being able to mix households or because i'm in a different situation whereas i would go with my siblings because it was our thing whereas as someone that like you that's family is not particularly interested in football to say the least yeah going i can imagine that was quite lonesome being on your own just not being able to talk to anyone having to keep your distance and yeah, I mean, it's close enough distance that you can sort of talk to the people around you. I don't know if it's allowed, but people were. And it's quite <laughs> a nice camaraderie because you do eventually get chatting to the people around you because you haven't really got a choice. But mm-hmm. it's not the same as, as going and being there and seeing it with your mates live and getting the reactions and, and whatever else. But ultimately, if Reading had won, I don't think I, could, I would have cared one jot how the atmosphere was because I just wanted three points. And it The beat- atmosphere yeah. on the Saturday was amazing. When yeah, Reading were winning, it started it really well. On Tuesday, uh, yesterday, it started well when the players came out, where the performance just sort of sucked all the life out of it. And then going 2 0 down never helps. But um, no, it was, I don't know how Alfie feels about working there, and it's probably more difficult for him to try and do his job with all these regulations in. But it's just, it's not going to be the same until you can get sort of 15, 20,000 properly in, get away fans back. That'll always help. Add, add alcohol to the mix, because obviously they don't serve alcohol there. Get a few beers in. I think that's sensible at the moment, though. With oh, the yeah. I'm not current climate. Too, but I'm just yeah. saying, until that's all back to normal, I don't think it'll be as nearly half as fun, as much fun as, as it would normally be. As a, yeah. someone that was working out, did you find most people were following guidelines and keeping safe, or was it a bit of a ball like having to remind people constantly? <sighs> Do you know what? You you do have to remind people because I think people, obviously, you know, we've all been football for a lot of our life turning up. It's always 
quite relaxed. It's quite free. It's, you do what you want. You get in the ground, you watch the game. So there was a lot of reminding people, but, you know, overall, people are just happy to be there. They're just happy to be back watching football. So, they, you know, they listen to everything. They'll do everything you ask of them. You know, the the only thing, and I don't, I don't think you can blame people, is the exit where people just left. There, there was a, a um, I don't know how you say it, a plan in place to leave, to get people to leave in social distance manner. And yeah, that didn't happen, did it? That it didn't happen because it's a, it's a cold minus two degrees or whatever it was. School night, work night. You know, people just want to get home. Yeah. That's the only thing that didn't work so well. But, you know, yeah. I loved it. I loved being back watching the football. People are just appreciative to be back. Mm. You know. People know you can't keep them 100% safe. And if people are that concerned about it, then they just, you know, just don't go until it's it's safer. But those that were there did did everything that was asked of them. Um, yeah. And yeah, like you said, there was just a lot of people, including me, that was just sat there, got there early, and just thought it's nice. It's nice to be back again after eight or nine months. It's, yeah. it's an odd one. Oh, I think I've quite enjoyed working it. To be honest, without fans, I know that sounds really bar humbug. Oh, I, 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 I love watching it with two thousand fans because you can actually hear what the players are saying. And oh, my god, it, without the fans in there. I wouldn't have known that Liam Moore was such a leader of that side. He literally mm-hmm. directed everything. That's and you could hear thing. him. But on. equally, nothing will nothing will replace the buzz of 15,000 fans See, watching I'm a game of football. I'm with you, Alfred. I found that from working. It's just, I love, especially in the industry I'm in as an analyst, I love being able to listen to what's going on the pitch. There's so much going on around it. And I quite enjoy not having the fans. Like because you can you can hear what's going on. You the coach is doing certain things, like the detail a coach does during a match day is brilliant, and I love having that insight as a young young man that's in analysis for the first time, or as part of that. But I totally agree. Nothing beats the buzz of if some of the late goals at the club we've scored this season, and if there was all the fans in attendance, that would place the roof would have come off. And that would have been absolutely incredible to see. And I would have really enjoyed that type of thing. And But from a nerdy point of view and a statistic and an analyst point of view, I love having that insight because there's been moments of the game where the coach has shouted up at the gantry and asking for stuff. And like that would never happen if there was fans. You can make well, tactical it, changes. It just makes people so much more appreciative when it does come back. And people mm. sit there and realise crap what, what have we lost for that year and i'm going to make sure that you don't you know make sure you savor every minute of it because you never know when it could get taken away again i never knew in february that i wouldn't go to another game for eight months mm. long it was. i had a damn mm. well stayed longer if i realized that it was uh i stayed behind until the steward physically removed me <laughs> so um, yeah i think it's just it's nice to be getting back to some sort of normality it's we're not there yet but we're getting there it's to see how this goes and I wonder how long we'll be able to go hopefully touch wood there'll be no positive cases coming out of the next week or so but we won't see it until the next two weeks anyway I just don't want to be that person that's to do the contact tracing for 2,000 people that might have been in the game so I think 
that's a good good episode there, boys, to wrap it up. And I think we'll go into next week with the last one before we take our Christmas break. Uh, please do go check out my Twitter. There will be a poll there running to see if we'll do it live. We'll do like an interactive quiz with some some viewers over on Twitch. Or if you want us to do a pre-recorded episode where we'll bring a special guest in and we'll just do have a bit of a laugh, basically. I'll put a quiz together and let the boys try and answer it. But I'd say cheers very much, Alfie and James, for joining yeah, for this thank week. Thank you very much. Cheers, 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 we'll, go on. we'll go on to episode 10 for next week and we'll go out for Christmas with a bang. Thank you. Please like, subscribe, share wherever you can. It really massively helps out the account. Some of the episodes have been doing brilliant recently. So it's really great to see people enjoying them. That's enough from me. I'll go on to the next one. Thank you.